This class is a memory of Jared Orchen, and today we will learn Parshat Naso. In Parshat Naso, there is a special mitzvah. Naso has a lot of topics, and there is a thread that connects all the topics, but we will today concentrate on page 78. Page 78 speaks about Birkat Kohanim, this priestly blessing. Cohen, today we're going to speak about you. Right. Well, I got to tell you, just came back from Colorado. My daughter sends her best to you and to Marion. And I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but to me, it felt like it was, I was witnessing God's creation with the mountains and the, the weather and just everything was totally, totally overwhelming. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. Then, the Birkat Kohanim that we're going to learn today is the priestly blessing that the Jewish people, that the God empowered the Kohens to bless the Jewish people. And first we will read a little bit inside, and then we'll start to talk about it. Page 78 in top. Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is how you shall bless B'nai Yisrael, saying to them. You should, that, that's what Hashem tells Aaron, a special mitzvah to the Kohens. They should bless the Jewish people. What should they bless them? May Adonai bless you and protect you. May Hashem bless you and protect you. Hashem Everybody knows this blessing. Many, many people bless the children on Friday night with this blessing, right? Many sits. And the first blessing is, let's see what Rashi has to say in number 24. First of all, number 23, the second, the, the second Rashi, is, the Rashi, say, uh, Rashi says, saying to them, saying like remembering people. No, so, the, so they all hear. So saying, they all hear saying, do not bless them with haste and rushing, but with concentration and, the, and a whole heart. No rush when you bless the Kohens, the, the Jewish people. Take your time, bless them with have, have patience. Slow, every word should be appreciated. Then he says, Rashi is explaining what may Hashem bless you and protect you. What is bless you and what's protect you? Rashi number 24. May your possessions be blessed. That's blessing you. Not bad. Protect you from thieves descending on you for your money. A person who presents a gift to his servant is unable to protect him from everybody, so if bandits descend on him and take it from him, what benefit does he have from the gift? But the Holy One, blessed is he, is both a giver and protector. Then he blesses you with the possessions, and then he protects that nobody should take away the possessions, because he can do, he can do both of them. That's the first blessing. Then comes the next line. Uh, on page 79, in top of the page. May, may um, Hashem cause His countenance to shine upon you and favor you. In may favor I, you. Wow, not bad. Let's see Rashi. May Hashem cause His countenance to shine upon you. May, sh- may He show you a joyous, radiant, a radiant countenance. May He be, be smi- show you a smiley face. in favor you. May He grant you your favor. May may grant you favor. May he be give you favor, give you chain, give you um, charm. That's what chain is. 
Okay, and then comes the third blessing. Go ahead. Number 26. May Noin lift his face to you and grant you peace. Okay, what does this mean? May Hashem gift, uh, lift his face to you, Rashi says. May he subdue his anger. Control his anger. Even he's supposed to be angry, he should not be angry. Okay. Then he says, number 27. 27. They shall bestow my name. They shall bless them with the explicit name of God. Hey, 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 in the text, in the text. <laughs> they shall bestow my name upon B'nai Israel, and I will bless them. They should bestow the Hashem's name on the Jewish people, and Hashem will bless them. Hashem will bless who? The coins. He will bless the coins for blessing the Jewish people. He will bless the Jewish people. He will, they will say the bracha, and God will bless the Jewish people. Two, two opinions about it. Look there what Rashi says, and I will bless them, Rashi. And I will concur with the blessing of the Kohanim, another interpretation of, and I will bless them, the Kohanim. Then the first explanation, and I will bless them, the Israelites. And I will concur with the Kohanim. It means to say when the Kohen will bless the Jewish people, God will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I will bless the Israelites because of you. The second explanation is if the Jewish people, if the Kohens bless the congregation, God bless the Kohens. That are the two explanations. Now I have a question for you. Why do you need the Kohens blessing? Couldn't God bless the Jewish people? As the Medrash is asking... In Medrash Tanchum, and this piece, is asking, Omrok Nesses is told, the Jewish people told Hashem, Ribbeinah Shelo master of the universe, you tell the coins to bless us, we want your blessing straight. What do you need? What do you need? Middleman. Why need a middleman down? Why should God not bless the Jewish people? We need only your blessing. We should be blessed by, by your mouth. What do you need other people? Hashem tells them, oh, when they bless you, I bless you. I am standing there and bless you. It's not them, it's me. But why do we need the coins in the middle? Now, last week we spoke about that you're going to pray by Atzad, to ask for a blessing from Atzadik, you know. We heard about, we spoke about Avimelech, we spoke about, uh, I mean, the Jewish people went, why, why was Rachel buried in the cave of Machpeh, uh, on, the, on the road in Bethlehem? Because when the Jewish people, 2,000 two years later, were exiled from Israel, and they were on the way to Babylon, they stopped by by a gravesite, to pray for, they should, should pray for the Jewish people, and she stood up and she asked from God, to promise her that the Jewish people will one, come, one day come back to the land. And God gave her the promise, I will bring the Jewish people back to the, to the land. But we see the concept that tzaddikim pray for the Jewish people. That makes sense. Why? Because the tzaddik has better connections. His word is much more powerful. The same thing we see in the other stories in, in, in the Parsha Shlach, the story of the 12 spies, the Meraglim. 
when they went to, were sent to Israel, one, when there were 10 came back with a bad idea not to go to Israel, right? Two said, we have to go. One of the two, Joshua, that Moses prayed for him, he should not make a mistake in Caleb. The Talmud says, why Caleb? How Caleb survived this? this? And he, he, made, he didn't make the mistake because he went to the graveside of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Hebron. He went to the graveside in the, of the Pratiacs, in the cave of Machpelah, and he prayed. That it makes sense to go to a tzaddik or to a tzaddik graveside. It makes sense because he has better powers. But coins? I mean, I know that our coins are tzaddikim in our show. <laughs> but usually a coin does not have to be a tzaddik to place the congregation. What are the criteria for a coin to place the congregation? What it needs to be? When is the right to go up? You know what? No, a coin doesn't have to be married to be resignation. There is one mitzvah boys who do it. Going into the holy of holies has to be married. No, no, no. To get up on the beam, everybody can. No, every coin. You know, to do tshuva, to be a complete tzaddik, you know, there is only one place you are demanded to be a tzaddik. If somebody is a witness by a marriage or by divorce, we tell him that a minute before he should do tshuva. Because if not, it might be a question of his, of his, because the person who is a witness has to be a, is possibly a righteous man. That a minute before is to like regret for all his sins. But it's not written about, about uh, being, a, being a coin. There are two conditions for the coin. Which coin cannot bless the congregation? Somebody who's been maimed or something, is not attacked, or is that just my that's that's a uh, coin who is mimed is a is a problem, and a, a coin who cannot stand up. That's written there is an issue with it, but besides this, I'm talking about not a physical problem. What would make him not sufficient, not fit for giving the blessing if he's not righteous enough? One thing is if a coin killed somebody, he cannot bless the congregation. Now the question became a complicated question. Why? Because a coin of spilled blood cannot, cannot give a bottle. His hands are bloody hands, so to speak. Became a question Israeli army soldiers are going to the army. Among of them are coins. During the war, if he's, on the, if he's in combat, he will kill somebody. He might kill somebody. Then what? Big discussions. He didn't see them, he didn't see we killed them. All over. As is usual, people say yes, people say no, people say maybe, everything. People say it's for the Jewish people, he saves life, whatever. But a regular coin who had an egg, who killed in a car accident, or, or let's say, I mean, you go to the army, you, you kill purposely, you don't kill by accident. He cannot build the congregation. Forget about an army. Somebody killed another person. The other thing is a coin who converted out of the religion cannot bless the congregation. If he gave up his religion. These are the two only situations that a coin cannot bless the congregation. Anything goes, no matter what he did. No matter how bad it was, 
He can always bless the congregation. Even a Kohen who was never circumcised can bless the congregation. Then it means every Kohen on the street can bless the congregation. And what's, and they are not big tzaddikim, the regular guys. And what do we need them to help God to bless the congregation? Why God should not bless the congregation by himself? God, do it yourself. What do you need to help us? The whole concept of Birkat Kohani must be something. God needs to tell. There is a reason why God wanted other people to do it. There is a Hasidic story about in the time of the early Hasidic days. The, you know, the first, the founder of the Hasidic movement was the Baal Shem Tov, right? His disciple was the Magid of Mezrich. Then came, at once of the, in the events, one, they used to have a Fabringen. Fabringen of, of, the, of the disciples of the Magid. Once in the Fabringen, somebody started to cry. Yet his wife was sick or his child was sick. And he asked from his other friend to give him a blessing. He told him, we will give you blessings. A rabbi can give a blessing. A tzaddik gives a blessing. We, we, are, we are ordinary people. Who are we to give blessings? Alter Rebbe was present in this event. He was at that time, before he was a Rebbe, he was a disciple of the Magi. And he stood up and he said, don't you know what the Rebbe told us? That what a Hasidic gathering can accomplish can even not, the angel Michael cannot accomplish. Why? And he proceeded an explanation. He said like this, we are the children of God. We see by parents something very interesting. Usually kids, when they are born, they are very selfish. That's the nature of a child. Oh, my child is so good. I know, everybody's child is good, but he's selfish. That's the nature of life. A baby is born like this, they say. When he die, you die, you die like this. Born, everything, me, 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 me. They fight the kid, the brother, the siblings fight over the toys, and they fight over, the, they fight over everything. And it gives so much anguish and pain to the parents to see the kids are constantly fighting enough already, again a fight, again a fight. And then he finally finds a good teacher, the parent, and the teacher starts to walk on the kids, to be mentioned, to share and to care for each other. That, that's your brother, you should be nicer to him, you're older than him. And little by little there is a, you see a change. The kids are sharing with each other, they're nice, they're helping. They care, they love each other. The joy of the parents is unbelievable. And then the parents is ready to do for the kids everything. And every, every one of the children screams, me, 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 me. Says, both of you get nothing. You start a fight, nobody gets anything. When they say, give him, give him. Oh, we give both of them. That's what really is happening. Sure, that can bless the Jewish people. But are we going to awaken God's love to the Jewish people? What will make put God in a good mood to bless the Jewish people? That's a question. In the middle of the day, God, give me a blessing. Why well, should I give you a blessing? Get out of here. <laughs> we need a reason to awaken his desires, his love to us, his excitement, his pleasure to give us a blessing. And God instituted an amazing system. One child will bless another child. And one child bless and blesses another child. <coughs> That's great. God says, wow, look. Look how much they love each other. 
therefore, the only aloha that about Birkat Kohanim is, you know the blessings of Birkat Kohanim by art? There is a bocha, like there is a bocha of putting on film, of saying the myth of putting on a talus. There is a bocha of, of, of blessing the congregation. And what's the blessing? What's the last word? To bless the Jewish people with love. What does this mean? Not that by Jewish limb, by the aloha is a Kohen who hates the congregation should not get up to bless the congregation. And if the congregation hates him, he shouldn't bless the leader. <laughs> Why not? A chazan can be anybody. I mean, you never heard the Boha. Oh, you shouldn't get an aliyah because somebody hates you in show. No such thing. Because the whole idea, the blessing can work. That's why it's also, look what happens. The con- the, the, usually the chazan faces the ark, right? The congregation, the, the coins turn around, they face the congregation. Because it's a love story, face to face. And only when there is love, then can be God's blessing. Then God instituted a special system that when the day that he will not be in the mood of blessing the Jewish people, just by seeing the Jews blessing each other, that will awaken in them the desire to bless the Jewish people. That's what Birkat Kohanim is all about. Why did he pick the Kohanim as opposed to another group? I mean, why not the Sadiqim? Why not somebody else? Who was supposed to be the firstborn? To, ble- to bless the congregation, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Exactly. But I thought the firstborn And was. I'll tell you even more. And a tzaddik blesses the congregation. It's not a big hiddush. It's not a big. It's not a big achievement. He's a righteous man. He cares only for the people. When two ordinary Jews bless each other, that's an achievement. It's a big chokhmah that a righteous man, a holy man, loves his people. Regular guys on the street, they come, they get out of the ground, they shoulder, bless the congregation. The mitzvah of blessing the congregation is so important. The Jewish law says. That even somebody stands in the middle of the Amida, the Kohen stands in the middle of the Amida service. Silent Amida. You know, the silent Amida, even when the king tells you Allah, you're not allowed to stop, right? It's a very, very, you're not allowed to stop for anything. When you're, where, where the only person, the only time you're allowed to stop in the middle of the site, if there is no other coin, you're allowed, you have to interrupt your Amida service and get up and bless the congregation. That's how important the blessing of congregation is. No, people are, anybody who knows the Alohas of Amida knows that you don't do anything in the middle of the Amida. No such thing. You're not allowed to sneeze. You're not, nothing. You're standing in front of God. It's, it's written the way you have to stand in front of the Amida. You, you know, we do three steps before, and three steps back because it's, it's so like you're entering God's, God's, God's room. Standing in front of the King of all kings. There is nothing in the world that bothers you. You're allowed to stop you. You're not allowed to do this. Nothing. You're not allowed even to to. To hold on to something, you have to stand strong and fast and dive into Hashem. One thing is allowed to interrupt the Amidah, blessing the congregation. I myself did not know the Allah until not long ago. I couldn't believe, somebody told me that I couldn't believe I went to check this out. You allow, you have, not only allowed, you have to interrupt the Amidah to go to bless the congregation. That's how important is it. Then when Hashem sees that one Jew blesses another, a regular Jew, with love, then Hashem is there. 
And if this is the case, why we don't do it more often? In the diaspora, when we when we do the Birkat Kohanim, the blessings of the coin, of the priest. Festivals. Only by the holidays. Now Shavuos is coming up, June 4th and June 5th, right? It's a Wednesday and a Thursday, we'll have the blessing of the coins. But on a regular Shabbos, the coins are sitting in shul together, Lies, the first Lies, that's nice, but they don't get the blessing. Why is it that we don't give the coins, we don't get the blessings every Shabbos? For example, in Israel, they get a blessing, they bring, yeah. they, they're using, do, doing it every Shabbat. In Jerusalem, they do it every day. There is far the communities who are actually doing it every day, even in America, even in diaspora. But we Ashkenazic Jews don't, because there is another condition for the mitzvah of Birkat Koni. It has to be done with joy, with happiness. And because we are in exile and there is no happiness, there is no joy, therefore, the Torah says we should, we should only do it on a holiday because on a holiday you must be happy, right? On a holiday there is a mitzvah that you have to rejoice yourself. Then if I have to rejoice myself, I must do this. That's why it's written that for a man should eat meat and drink wine and a woman should, you should buy your wife jewelry for the holiday, by the way, and, and the kids should have uh, candies. Everybody has to rejoice himself. That's why they do the blessing only on only a holiday, only on Yontif. Because that day we are in a state of joy. That when a person has joy and, and love and happiness and he blesses other people, then Hashem joins to give a blessing. That's double. The Jewish people are being blessed because of the blessing of the coin. And the coin is being blessed because of the Jewish people. Because he gives a blessing to the Jewish people. And therefore, I remember once in Chastorah, the Rebbe said that every Jew should go out and bless another Jew. With the blessing of Yivarecha. And people blessed each other for the whole night. Because it's not only the Kohen has the official, he has an official obligation to bless the congregation. But really, every one of us is empowered by God to bless the Jewish people. And, and you know what, the, what Hashem, the Rebbe is to quote every time, the blessing that Hashem told Abraham. Right away when Abraham left uh, Haran, when he went Lech Lecha, right? Hashem told him, Vavocho mevorachecha. I will bless those who bless you. That if I bless somebody else, God will bless me. That's a very good deal. That this is the first thing about, that's what they were so special about the blessing of the Birkat Kohanim. When did the tradition of the Shin start uh, with both hands? I don't think it's about the Shin. Isn't, isn't the symbol the Shin? It's about uh, the, the separation. The separation that God is, so to speak, is looking between the cracks. That's what it's all about. God is looking between the cracks. The shin of God is between the fingers, so to speak. You're not supposed to look there. Is it a shin? Maybe it's also because it's a shin. I don't know. Is that for should I or uh... the name of God? Maybe, maybe. Do you know when that tradition started? Oh, uh, it's probably... Talmudic or post-Talmudic? I think it's before. I don't know, but I really don't know. But I think it's before. It's early. It's a very, very old uh, Jewish tradition. I mean, I don't think that one day they came up with this idea. <laughs> it's probably going very... dating back. But I don't know. I never really researched this issue. When they started to all end like this with the... There's... Go ahead, please. Speaking of, of you know, giving blessings... 
I don't know where I heard it, but there's some. I think he's a Kohen. I'm not sure. And Israel has a bookstore, and people come to him for blessings all the time. Listen, there is always some certain people. Kim people come to him for blessings, if they are Kohen or not. Right. The the accomplishment of Birkas Kohanim is that every every Kohen has the power to bless. And why the coins? The coins were supposed they're the clergy, they're the spiritual people. That it makes sense that they should be the they're the agent, the conduit between God and the Jewish people. They're the the holiest. Understand what I'm saying? Then it makes sense. By the way, for those of you who recognize this uh, as the uh, sign that Mr. Spock makes, that, that actually came uh, from uh, Leonard Nimoy, who's Jewish. Of course, he's, uh, he's, got this whole idea from the. He's, he's coin. Yeah, is he a coin? Okay, because I don't know really? what it is, okay. nothing, nothing will hurt me, we'll continue. <laughs> now, he came from a different planet, from Star Trek. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. How Star they used Trek. to greet each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> then, another interesting thing about Birkat Kohanim, something very, very interesting. There is a tradition for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It's called a Meturgeman. You heard about a Meturgeman? A translator used to be in the synagogues in Babylon. They started it. The Jewish people went to exile, right? They stopped to understand Hebrew. Read from the Torah, nobody understands what we read, right? They used to have somebody between every parasha, every year, used to give a translation of what was going on. Simple. That's how the Targum started, wasn't it? Yeah, the tradition. Targum started because of a Meturgeman? Could be, could be, could be, could be. The question is, you start to translate things, became a discussion, what should you not translate? For example, what would you, if you would be the rabbis, what would you not translate? Things that better not to be translated. Something that puts us into a bad light or... For example. Something we just read not long ago. The the curses. Curses! Oi! Better not to translate it. And there is a discussion in the Talmud if to translate the, the, the curses that God gives to Israel. And there is some opinion to say, what's the point to translate this kind of curses? People live that God will punish, the, punish anybody who is not behaving in such terrible ways. People will give up and say, you know what, let's get this step forward and finish. Then you're going to be punished. That's how far it went. In the end, the Gemara says that we translate it. Because it's important that people should know where they're standing on the wall. Absolutely. Any other passages what you, you would not translate? Well, we know that the rabbis, when they had to, the 70 rabbis were, you know, there were 15. They did, there was a few walls that didn't translate. They turned it, they switched the translation. That was to protect from non-Jews. Right. You're sitting in a show, men, women, children, which story you wouldn't translate? Well, I, like I, on my wall at home, I have all the Torah portions outlined for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that I it left off some of the, the sexual for example, stuff. For example, well, Song, like, of you know, Song of Songs. No, 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 no. About the the story, of of the story of Lot. Lot and his daughter. Story of Lot and two daughters. Oh, you are you like the children? <laughs> and who are you going to embarrass? 
Who is he being embarrassed by this story? Who ultimately, you like, doesn't look good by this? Um, Moabites, Ruth. <laughs> Forget uh, about that. Before that. A lot, obviously, but who more? His daughters. <laughs> they did it. Who else beside them? Abraham. Their uncle Abraham. Lot was Abraham's nephew. You know nepotism comes from? Lot was saved because of Abraham. That's what nepotism comes Nephutism. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham, can you imagine your nephew did such a thing the whole world has to know? The Talmud has a discussion about it. The Talmud comes to the conclusion to translate it. Ultimately, he said we should translate it. What old story, what other story you think the Jewish people would say and you wouldn't, or the story, you're better off not translating. It's embarrassing. With Judah and... Uh, um, in Judah and Tamar. No. Very good. Yes, there is also a discussion about that. Um, Anything else? Joseph. The story of Shem. The story of Shem. Uh-huh. Uh, how the Shem, how they had them circumcised and then killed them all. Oh, you mean the story uh, of Na- Shem? Shem. No, the story uh, of Shem, and maybe we'll give some people, some Jewish people, something. <laughs> some strength. Like uh, Kikas. Which other story you want to translate? Golden Calf. The Golden Calf. Oi, 40 days after the Jewish people received the Torah, they went and worshipped idols. Sha, who? Let's make a schwag. Let's let's cover up the story. Whoever understands, understand. Whoever doesn't understand, doesn't. Why to translate it? You know why the Talmud says? The Talmud says it's embarrassing of the Jewish people. We are the Jewish people. The Talmud is very. The rabbis are very. The the honor of the Jewish people is very important. The Talmud says We should not be sensitive to the honor of the Jewish people. The golden calf story. But then the Talmud says, why yes? We have to hear it. It's amazing. Because to teach people that you can do tshuva, you can repent for everything. No matter what it is, you can repent. It also shows that we, like everyone else, are human too, and we all make mistakes. There's and no we can, one oh, perfect. No, no, and we can, and we can, and we can, you shouldn't give up. That's the main Not thing. Not to give up. That we all make mistakes, we know. That we shouldn't give up because of this. But it's actually written in the Talmud. Then one of the reasons the why God, so to speak, orchestrated that such a thing can happen like the golden calf, really it doesn't make sense. Forty days after God gave the Torah, a whole nation went and did such a stupid thing. What happened to them? And the Talmud says God almost made it happen because he wanted to pave the way to show that even the whole community goes wrong, there is still a way to repent. That we are not doomed. It says it's about King David. King David, the story with Bathsheba. King David had as many goals as he wanted. He needed Bathsheba. What is this song, crazy story, the whole thing? It doesn't make sense, really. And the, the, the Talmud says the same answer. Leorot derech tshuva. To pave the way for tshuva. Even King David, even he did such a bad thing, you see, he did tshuva. If King David can do tshuva, I can do tshuva too. If King David said, can I? That's not the end of the world. Don't. People shouldn't commit suicide because things went wrong. Like always there is a chance. Therefore, we, the conclusion is that we translate the story of the golden calf. Which, which, which other stories you wouldn't translate? <laughs> so what you're saying, it sounds to me, is that they uh, didn't leave anything out. No, 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 no. How no, will no, we no. know? I'll tell you, you'll know. 
well, no, because he didn't know. He can't know. Which story you wouldn't translate beside this? The flood. What's wrong with the flood? Good the, story. The story of the world. Which story? A personal story that puts some people look bad. You wouldn't answer. You said Judah and Tamar. I don't Shimon remember. Well, Shimon and Levi. Who else right around the same the area or did something messed up? Nahor and Avihu. No, no, Avihu died for the sake of God. That was, well, they didn't do the right Second thing. Second boy, fine, but that was a noble act. <coughs> Who else? You know the story with Reuven? Yeah, the bed. The bed, he moved the bed, a story with a bed, oi, 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 oi. The story is like this. Um, Jacob and Rachel, Jacob used to, Jacob had four wives, right? Rachel and Leah, Bila and Zilpah. But where he used to live, where was his home? by Rachel, in Rachel's tent. From time to time, he went to visit other, other tent. Rachel died. That he moved his bed to, to, where he moved it? He moved it to Bila, instead of to Leah. Leah was number two. That Reuven, who was the oldest son of Leah, says, enough that Rachel was a competition with my mother. Bila should be a competition with my mother. He took the bed from Jacob and he moved it to, to Leah's tent. The Torah writes it like he did a terrible thing. And like he slept with Leah, with, 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 uh, with, with uh, Bilal, with Leah, something like this. And, and, uh, and with Bilal. And therefore, the, because it's written in a way that could understood that he did a terrible thing, we don't translate it. And this is one of the stories that we don't translate. But there is one positive thing that we don't translate either. You will not believe it. Birkat Kohanim. The blessing, the priestly blessing, they don't translate it. Why not? Such a nice blessing. Why shouldn't we translate and may God bless you and protect you, may he give show kindness and favor to you? Why not? What do you think? Very good. It's written here that God will show you isapanim. Isapanim means he will show favoritism to you. He will favor you, even if you don't deserve it, so to speak. What's the problem with that? The Talmud says a story. It means to say, Isa, Isa Hashem panav sins means that God is kind of ready to cover up to cover up on, on, on your bad things. He, he will not see your bad things. He will, because he loves you so much, he will let things go. Talmud in Rosh Hashanah, in the, in the Talmud in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, says a story. Once a rich convert asked Rabbi Yossi, I think. Rabbi Gamliel, she asked him. She says, there is a convert. She was a scholar. She was a convert. She was rich. And she knew the Bible. Wow. She asked Rabbi Gamliel, it's written in the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, that your God will not favor anything, and he will not take bribe. If you deserve it, you deserve it. You did do it, good is good. And here, it's written that God will favor you. Good question. From Deuteronomy to, this is in the book of Numbers, it's written God will favor you, will overlook your evil side, your evil doings. And in Deuteronomy, in the book Parsha Seikev, it's written, Asher lo isa panim velo ikach shorat. 
ישא עיר אצרית נישא השם פניו אליך, הרי דבר עוד ישא. That he will do it. דרך אצרית לא ישא. He will not show favoritism to you. What you deserve, you deserve, what you don't deserve, you don't deserve. He said, what's it's a contradiction, what's going on here? There it's written that everybody is equal by law. Here it's written that the Jewish people get a... <laughs> what does this mean? And there is a, a verse in the book of Mishle. Mishle is what? Proverbs. Proverbs. It's written that Hashem will take bribery from the wicked people. What's going on? He takes bribery or doesn't take bribery? He takes bribery or not? What's going on? That Rabbi Yossi Akohen answered there's something very interesting. And since between men and men, God doesn't show favor, favoritism and doesn't take bribery. And since between men and God, God is ready to show favoritism and take bribery. You understand? Something amazing. If you, if I hurt somebody, God doesn't, and uh, I cannot go, God, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't give charity, I'll do this, it doesn't work. You have to go and make amends with the person that you are to. Nothing will help you. You cannot come to God to ask for forgiveness on Yom Kippur for sins that you, you, you did against humans if you didn't take care of it. There is no bribery there. There is no favoritism. Nothing. You have to take care of it. But sins that are between men and God, oh, their God is ready to be a little more lenient. Because it's only to him. He's more, he's, more, he's more flexible. What means bribery by God? What means to give God bribery? What do you think will be give God bribery? What kind of bribery can you give him? What God takes, you give him money, give him money, what do you need to do? Give money to other people. Give money to charity, <laughs> for example. Or, that's, that's the main thing, yes. We, we, come, we come to the synagogue, we say tshuva, prayers, repentance, prayers, and charity. We'll overwrite the, the, the decree, right? Yeah. Why God shows us favoritism? Because we go the extra mile. God tells us in the Torah, that Medrash says, you should eat, you'll be satisfied, and you bless Hashem, right? And by Jewish law, Jewish people take upon themselves to say the Birkat Amazon, even when they're not satisfied. What if a Jew had a one piece of bread, two pieces of bread? He didn't have a full meal. He's still benching, right? That God says, you're going the extra mile. Because you go the extra mile, I'll go the extra mile. You show favoritism to my mitzvahs. I'll show favoritism to you. You show, uh, you go, ex you, you give me more than I asked. Therefore, I'll give you, I'll forgive you. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go behind the, the ladder of the law. But this is only in mitzvahs with the men and God. Not with mitzvahs and men men. Basically, God is expecting something from us. And we are ready. And that's what Isa Hashem Panave Lecha means. God will, God will give you a blessing. God will show, uh, show, a favoritism to you, and that's why the Jewish law says, the Gemara says, you don't translate this, this blessing. Because other people, it could, look, it could look strange. Ah, God plays favoritism, I'm out of the show. I thought he's honest, I thought he's fair with everybody. But people will not understand what means favoritism by God, 
What means that in mitzvahs with many men no such thing as favoritism? Even with the mitzvah many God what means favoritism? When I do tshuva, God forgives you. In a regular court, no such thing. Oh, you come to the judge, say, George, I'm sorry. <laughs> How far is this going? I'll give you. I'll give you four years in jail. You'll have enough time to to regret for your sins, right? This is only to reflect, to repent. Huh? This is only a blessing for the Jews. That's why. Because God, because they show favoritism in doing mitzvahs to Hashem, they go the extra mile, God will show favoritism. And therefore, it's not translated because some people can understand it the wrong way and have questions of God, so to speak. Now, what's the lesson? But the truth is, there is something, Maimonides says something very interesting. Maimonides speaks about Shevet, you know, the coins are a part of the Shevet Levi. Right? The tribe of the Levites. It's all tribe, special tribe, people who are dedicated for God. Maimonides says something amazing. Every human being, not every Jew, every human being who wants to can dedicate his life for God and he will become as close to God as the Shevet Levi. It's the whole concept of the Nazarite, right? Oh. You're right. There is in this portion that you mentioned that in this passage we speak right before that we speak about the laws of a Nazarite. What's a Nazarite? Nazarite is a guy that one day, let's read a little bit from inside and make it a little, not give you so many speeches. Um, it's on page 68. Then we, let's, <laughs> let's finish this statement because yeah, let's finish the talk. Maimonides says something, we spoke before about Maimonides, how he's a breakthrough in everything. He says that every human being who makes God his business becomes close to God as a, as the, as a high priest. He doesn't have to be Jewish, he doesn't have to be anything. Every human being that he makes God, that God becomes his business, that he cares for God's business in the world, not for his own business, and he, became, he makes God's um, lot, his lot, God's uh, destiny, his destiny, then he becomes as close to God as a high priest. He, doesn't, he does not have to be, or cannot be uh, considered holy. He's holy. That's what makes him holy. He becomes as close to... Niskadesh Kodesh Kodoshim. He becomes sanctified like the holy of holies. And there is a whole talk from the Rebbe about it that he says, call each wish. It's not written any, any Jew who dedicates his life. Every human being who dedicates his life for God can become, what means he dedicates his life for God? God's business becomes his business. Most of the people say, I have my job, I don't have time, God, it's all nice and fine, but, but if you care for God's business, that becomes your business, you become as close to God. What is a coin? What's a levy? What is the job of the Levites? Job of the Levites, they didn't have, they didn't have property, they didn't have land. Their job is to be the clergy. The people who care for the spirituality of the Jewish people. That any person who makes God's business his business, he's becoming close as a high priest. Not every Jew, every person. And that's a breakthrough of Maimonides, by the way. Mm -hmm. And Maimonides says, you know the concept of righteous Gentiles? Chassidei mm umot -hmm. olam. By the way, they're called Hasidim. You realize that? They're not called Tzaddikim. In Hebrew, the, the translation is righteous Gentiles. Right? The real translation for righteous Gentiles should be Tzadikei umot olam. Tzadikim, right? Don't call them Tzadikim. We call them Chasidim. 
חסידי אומות העולם. What is the difference between a tzaddik and a chassid? We'll speak one day about it, but in, in one word. A tzaddik, you know, Noah was a tzaddik. Right? In his time. A righteous man. He cared only for himself. He wasn't as bad as they, put him, they make him in the movie, the new movie. <laughs> but he was caring more for himself. What's a chassid? A chassid is somebody who goes the extra mile, who thinks about what it's not about himself. That's what a chassid is. A chassid doesn't have to be with a long, with a big strimal and long pass and a beard. A chassid is somebody who puts others before himself. That's what a chassid is. Who cares for God's business more than for so his own business. Be you bet. If you care for others more than yourself, you can be a chassid, yes. What's chassidi? That's chassidi almost, for example, the people who say, who risk their life, Gentiles who risk their life during the Holocaust, the criteria in Yad Vashem is, any Gentile who risked his life, it does not enough that he saved a life. He had to risk his life to save a life. They don't, they don't award the Jews because they said Jews. Just the Jews is expected of them. A Gentile who risked his life to save a Jewish life is considered a chassid umot Allah. He's considered a chassid, a, 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 a Gentile. Not a righteous Gentile, the right word is a chassid Gentile. Then a chassid, the Maimonides says, chassid umot Yisraelom, righteous Gentiles ever share in the world to come. That's a big breakthrough in the Jewish way of thinking. It was uh, from the Talmud, obviously. Yeah, but from Joshua, right? <laughs> yeah, but not everybody agrees with that. But yeah, yes, disagree. <laughs> but I want to say that Maimonides brings Rabbi Maimonides wrote a code of Jewish law. A code of Jewish law means that that became the law. That's accepted law. Now, anything that nobody ever dis dis uh, uh, disagreed with them, that means everybody agrees with them. Whenever another codifier came later who disagree, writes against them, you understand? If, 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 if there is issues that nobody disagreed, it means everybody agreed. That became the law. Hasidei Umasarilom, righteous Gentiles, ever share the world to come. Then really, we talk about Kohen, we talk about holiness, we talk about being, everybody can become a Kohen. Everybody can become Kodesh, Kodesh not a Kohen. Every human being can become as holy as the high priest. By making God's business his business. That's what it takes. Not much. <laughs> Obviously it's much. Now we'll see how is it come, It plays out in the story of the Nazarite. On page 68. Um, you want to read? Um, number 1. 68, no, on top of the page. 68, number 1. Chapter 6. Oh. Uh, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying... Speak to B'nai Yisrael and say to them, If a man or a woman sets apart a vow, a Nazarite vow, to set himself apart from Hashem. Uh, go ahead, good, for very good. Hashem, from, apart from Hashem, for, for Hashem, for Hashem yeah. From new or old intoxicating wine, he must <coughs> abstain. Vinegar made from new wine. He has to practice abstinence. If he wants to dedicate his life for God, what is he supposed to do? Not to drink wine. And any type of uh, wine, any type of uh, grape, he shouldn't drink. Okay, very good. And then the next thing we'll skip to... Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Vinegar made from new wine and vinegar made from old wine, he shall not drink. Anything steep in, in grapes, he shall not drink. Moist grapes or dried grapes, raisins, he shall not eat. 
Okay. Con um, is that a fence? What? Is that a fence in the whole concept? Because there's a theory why you don't want to drink wine because you lose control. But is that a fence? You don't want to eat any kind of grape? Yes, yes, yes. The, the whole idea of a Nazarite is a fence. The whole Nazarite concept is a fence. He wants to become holier. The boy always in control. Continue. Number four. E five. Five. As long as he is a Nazir, from anything made of the grapevine, from seeds to skin, he shall not eat. As long as he is under his Nazarite oath, a razor shall not pass over to touch his head until he completes his days as a Nazir to Hashem. Mm -hmm. He shall be sacred. He shall not let the hair of his head grow long. Yeah, two things. He cannot drink wine and he cannot cut his hair. And now comes the tilting. Why, why the hair? Huh? Why the hair? It's good why the hair? I'll tell you. It's called. There is a verse in the book of um, Job. It's written there by a that God came to Job from the Sahara. Now, Sahara means from the storm. But Searot also can mean ear. Then the Talmud basically points out, and it's in Kabbalah a lot, that where is God? The Shekhinah, that's, where is that Shekhinah by, by a person? Top, why do you think we put on a kippah? Shekhinah is right here, between your ears. Then you cover up the Shekhinah. Why the coins cover up the ends? By the, we spoke about coins, they cover up the ends. Because the Shekhinah is between the fingers. Wherever there is Shekhinah, you cover up. That's one of the explanations why we cover the face of the bride under the chuppah. Because the Shekhinah is resting on your face. Then, that's why you don't cut your ear. A, a higher level of holiness that you don't cut your ear. Because the Shekhinah is there. You let the Shekhinah, so to speak, to rest there. You don't touch it. It becomes holy. When you become holier, then even the physical part of you becomes holier. That's why a child, until the age of three, we don't cut his ear. Because he's still so young that the Shekhinah is more revealed there, if you want. That's one of the explanations. Okay, and one more thing. You want to read? Sure. Mr. Karn? All the days that he is and no, as are yeah, yeah, go ahead. to Hashem, he shall have no contact with the dead. For his father, his mother... He's not allowed to become impure. Only to... Even not to his father... Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. For his father, for his mother... Another brother and sister. He shall not ritually, ritually defile himself for them when they die. For the Nazarite crown of his God is upon his head. Who else is not allowed to touch, to be a part of that people? The coins. But the father, it? but the, there's more But here it goes even further. Now, a coin is allowed. These are the people that a coin is allowed to become impure. To his father, to his mother, to his brother, to his sister, to his... Yeah, these are the people allowed. Here it's written, the, the, the Nazarite is not even allowed to do it to them. Yeah. Why? Then what is the whole business here with the Nazarite? Right there, because he's sacred to Adonai. He's sacred to Hashem. Then why God gave the option of, option of a Nazarite? We'll skip a little bit. Um, 
You couldn't say that they never wrote on the shadow, did you? Huh? <laughs> on page 73, number 13. Number 13? Yeah, please. This is the law of the Nazar, when the days of his Nazarite stat status are fulfilled. Let's say he's a Nazarite for 30 days, for a year, for 60 days. Go ahead. He shall bring himself to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Mm -hmm. He shall bring his offering to Hashem. One unblemished sheep in its first year as mm -hmm. a burnt offering, and one unblemished ewe in its first year as a sin offering. For a sin offering! Why is he bringing a sin offering? What is the sin here? What is sin? He's giving up a lot of things. Because so, what's so bad about that? It? It's sanctifying himself, right? Because he couldn't be there for his parents and his sister. Right? Oh, because he couldn't be for his parents and sisters. I like it. That's a good modern. A political correct answer. I love it. He couldn't be there for his parents. Oh, yo, 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 yo. And if his parents didn't die, then what? Because it, he, because it was an option, he will not be there for his parents. He should bring us an offering. I love this explanation. This is perfect. In, in essence, it's this very selfish thing that they do. It's sort of like Aaron's sons who go up, you know, they oh. want to be so... Then what, then there it's is, an ecocentric There thing. is two explanations about the Nazarite, why is he bringing a sin offering. One explanation is because he stopped being a Nazir. Being a Nazir is like being earlier, and he quits. He took it only for 30 days, only for 60 days, and he's done. That he's going down now, he has to bring a sin offering. That's one explanation. The other explanation is that he's has to atone for not participating in normal life. Because during being a Nazarite, he couldn't drink wine, he couldn't uh, be a part of normal life, he has to atone because God doesn't look for, for monks. But what the whole idea of Nazarite, what we started in the beginning is, it's because somebody wants to be a coin. He cannot be a coin. I was not born a coin. I also want to be a coin, Mr. Olgen. Why only you? I also want to be a coin. God says, you want to be a coin? Go ahead, boy chick. Go ahead, do it. Don't, don't drink wine. But if, you, if, you're going, if you're on your own, it's worse. You know, it's, uh, if God gives you, God is much more merciful. Then the coins are allowed to drink wine. The coins are allowed to become impure for the mother and the father and the immediate family. You taking it upon yourself? Go all the way. Don't drink wine, don't be a part of any, any type of that, nothing. It's an option for a regular person to, be, to experience like a coin. But really, we do not have to go there. If we make God's business our business, we are as holy as the, holy of, as, as the high priest. We, we are allowed to drink wine, we are allowed to be around a cemetery, we are allowed to do everything. But if we forget about ourselves, what means for, it doesn't mean you should, we should stop to walk and stop to make a living. But we wake up in the morning and we ask what God wants, needs, not what I need. That makes us as close to God as, as possible.